One of my favorite hobbies, and it's usually when I should be sleeping, I have this tendency to start looking at classified ads on Craigslist at cars for sale. And usually the cars I'm looking at, I, my budget isn't really large, so I set the search parameters as cars located within a 100-mile radius of Visalia. Uh, I'll list that I'm looking for something, you know, these years for sale by owner and $2,000 or less or when I'm feeling a little bit generous, maybe I bump it up to like $2,500. And I usually about every year, you've seen me have do this now, about every year I end up buying a new car that's barely running and it lasts me for about 12 months and then I sell it to buy another car that's barely running and that's, that's kind of how I just do things. It's, I find it fun. But what's neat when you when you get on Craigslist and you start searching at, at the bottom rungs of the automotive um, section of what's for sale, you come across some pretty interesting finds. And the idea of what people think something should go for versus what you think it should go for, you know, there can be a pretty big discrepancy in there. But you find that most people have a tendency to look at the car that they're selling and see it as the greatest vehicle that's ever existed. You know, that spoiler they made out of cardboard as a performance enhancement and all these kinds of things like that, right? I mean, they look at these pieces of junk that are for sale and, and they view it as something spectacular and you should pay them lots and lots of money for it. I mean, you'll, you'll see an ad for a car like this, you know, 1999 Pontiac Grand Am needs a little work, right? Things like that, um, but it runs good. And what is their definition of needs a little work? What is their definition of runs good? This one says Merry Christmas on the side and has a reindeer if you can't see it behind the steering wheel, okay? So it needs more than just a little work. But, but we all do that. We, we look at what we have. We look at what, what we're trying to sell. And, and we see it as something wonderful. And everybody else sees it as junk, right? My first car I ever had was a 1983 Datsun slash Nissan Pulsar. They couldn't make up their mind in 1983 if it was a Datsun or a Nissan or not. This is what it looked like. That's a better version of the one that I had, okay? That one's on blocks in a junkyard, but that one's headlights at least go down. Mine didn't. Mine winked at you the whole time. But my, my 1983 Nissan Pulsar that I had, we had to bungee cord the hood down because one time driving down the road, the hood flew up and shattered my windshield, okay? I mean, that was the car that I had. When you went over speed bumps, the sunroof, because it had a performance upgrade, had a sunroof, would flap in the wind as you went over bumps. It leaked gasoline, which always gave me a reason to cut class and go to the parking lot and try to fix the gasoline leak in my car. So I had a great excuse there. But that was my, my first car. And I went to sell it one time. We didn't have Craigslist then, but I listed it on, you know, whatever the newspaper classifieds were. And I listed, you know, something along the lines of not the Nissan Datsun Pulsar runs good because it did run good. I mean, yeah, you had to brake with the emergency brake because the brakes didn't work, but it still ran good. Well, I mean, what's the definition of running good? It started, and as long as the gas was making it all the way to the engine and not leaking out underneath it, it did run good. But the idea is, is when it's your item, when it's what you see on a daily basis, we have a hard time realizing that it's broken. I asked my family last night for some examples of this in our life, and they came up with a few of them. In our bedroom, we have a bed that used to be a water bed, but now it has a mattress on it, so it has drawers underneath it. The bottom drawers, we haven't used in like eight years because the top drawers, every time you open them, the rain splinters down on the bottom drawers. 
We just stop putting clothes in those drawers and don't open them up anymore. But if, you, if I were to give you that bed, you'd be thinking, you gave me a piece of junk. This thing rains splinters down on all of our clothes. That's how I live. I know I'm kind of trashy, but that's our, that's our bed, right? In our car. I made a modification in our car one time. I, I took out the center console and put in a third seat because we have a bajillion kids. And when I removed that center console, it left a big hole in the dash. Now, I had these great plans that I was going to fabricate a plastic panel and put it there and mount something. Maybe we put a flat screen there. No, we still have a hole in the dash, right? I mean, five years later, we don't notice it anymore. Runs good, right? I mean, that's kind of what we see it as. But I'm sure all of you do something similar. I bet you right now, there's a handful of people in the audience that if I were to look at your cell phone, it has a cracked screen. And you've been using it cracked long enough now that you don't notice it anymore. But when you pull it out in front of maybe your friend, they go, hey, your phone's cracked. You go, oh yeah, I forgot about that, right? We live with it long enough, we get accustomed to it, we get used to the brokenness, and then we just, you know, stay with it. Well, these last two um, sermons that I've been preaching here on Sunday morning, we've been talking a lot about brokenness. We've talked about how we live in a broken world. We've discussed how we live broken lives. Well, this morning, I want to take it in our final and third part in this series. I want us to realize that sometimes we become so accustomed to the brokenness that we don't see it and we don't admit it. We're like that person listing their car for sale on Craigslist who's been driving it long enough with the emergency brake stopping it that they don't see anything wrong with that. It runs good. Well, this morning, our lesson is going to be real simple. And our lesson is just going to have one point that I want you to take home. And this is a point I want you to remember throughout this week. And that is this. We cannot be fixed if we do not admit our brokenness. We've already discussed that God's going to make the brokenness of this world right one day. We've already talked about how God has the ability to fix and He will fix our brokenness. But we cannot ever be fixed unless we're willing to admit that we're broken. If your car is broken and everybody sees it but you, but you're like, no, no, it runs good, you'll never fix that car. One of my Craigslist finds was that Ford truck that I'm driving right now. I just give people instructions when they borrow it to not put it in overdrive because when you put it in overdrive, it slips like crazy. It's broken. I need to admit that if I ever want to fix that transmission. Or we'll just keep driving it in third gear the whole time, right? I mean, that's what we do. We cannot be fixed unless we admit our brokenness. With that in mind, turn your Bibles to the book of 1 John. Not the Gospel of John. If you're new to the Bible, you'll probably be a little bit confused because in the New Testament, there's four books that actually say the word John, Adam. You have the big book of John, which is a biography of Jesus. It's his life. And then you have letters toward the end of the New Testament, right before Revelation, that are tiny because they're letters. And they're written by the Apostle John to Christians. You have 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Well, we're going to be looking at 1st John this morning, specifically chapter 1, with this idea in mind that we cannot be fixed unless we admit that we're broken. So 1st John chapter 1, starting, and let's start there in verse 1, because it's a short little chapter. It says, 
what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, and what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. John says, what I'm preaching to you, what I'm teaching you is all about Jesus. He's the one that has life. He says, and the life was manifested. And we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father. Father and with his son Jesus Christ these things we write to you so that you may be made complete. So John says, we, we know about Jesus. We've experienced Jesus. We've heard him. We've seen him. We have fellowship with him. So John says, we have this relationship with Jesus. And I'm writing you this letter so that you can have that relationship with him too. The apostles had a relationship with Jesus. He wants, or John and his companions, you know, they want the churches here to have a relationship with Jesus too. In fact, he makes it very clear in verse 4. He says, we write these things to you so that you may be made complete or whole or perfected or repaired or fixed, right? When we're broken, we're incomplete. we got to be made complete again. This is a book that helps us become fixed. So he goes on. He says, this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you. That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So now he lays out some of the parameters of this relationship here. He says, this is the message you understand. Here you have God. God in heaven. God is light. Right? He's wonderful. He's good. He's perfect. He's awesome. And in him is no darkness. Light and darkness cannot coexist. Whoever walked into this auditorium first this morning saw a dark, dark auditorium. They turned on the lights. The darkness went away. Light and darkness don't, don't work together. So you have God who is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Now, if you've been studying the Bible for some time, you've probably noticed that light is also a synonym for good and holiness, and darkness is often a synonym for what? Sin. And evil, especially in John's writings. If you read through the book of John and the letters of John, he loves contrast. You know, good versus evil, light versus darkness, inside versus outside, you know, death versus new birth. You know, you have all these contrasts throughout his books, especially the contrast of light and darkness. So John says, here's God. God is light, and in him is no darkness. Verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. He lays it out there. Here's the parameters of this relationship. God is light. In him is no darkness. You can claim you're in the light all you want. But if you live a life of darkness, you aren't in him. You lie and you do not practice the truth. If you say, oh, no, 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 I know Jesus. I have fellowship with him. He's my Lord. I'm his child. We follow, I follow him. He says, if you're walking in darkness, you're lying. You can't. It doesn't work that way. You can't claim that it runs good when it's not running at all, right? If you're in darkness, you can't claim to be in the light. If you say you're, you're in fellowship with Jesus and you're living a lifestyle of sin, there is no fellowship there. Fellowship has to do with a relationship, a closeness, a spiritual communion. He says, that doesn't exist if you're not walking in the light. Verse 7, but if, here's a conditional statement now. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light. So you had two options now. You're either walking in darkness or you're walking in the light. He says, if you walk in the light, as he himself, that's Jesus, is in the light, 
we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So here's the idea, that we are a broken people. John wants us to be put back together. He wants to make us complete, and it's through fellowship with Jesus and the forgiveness that he offers that we are repaired. We might not be running good. We might need some minor work or major work or complete you know, restoration and overhaul. But when we're in darkness, we're not repaired. When we're in the light, we have fellowship and we have forgiveness. Those of us that are Christians, let's lay it out here real plainly, those of us that are Christians have these two blessings. You are in fellowship with Jesus. You might feel alone in life. You might feel like you don't have any good relationships. You might feel lost. You might feel like there's no one around there for you, but you do have Jesus. If you are a child of God, if you are a Christian walking in the light, you have fellowship with Jesus. Never have to feel alone. Never have to feel lost. Never have to feel like you're, you're going through life on your own. You have Jesus there. That's blessing number one. God fixes you with this fellowship relationship with Jesus. Number two, if you are a Christian, you have forgiveness, which we all need a lot of. And notice what he says here in verse 7, that the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, if you're reading from an older translation, maybe like the King James Version, I know the American Standard Version of 1901 has it worded a little bit differently. It doesn't use the word cleanses. It uses a phraseology that we don't use so much anymore, and I definitely don't use because I have a list, but he says cleanseth, T-H, on the end. Now, in our, in our modern English, we don't usually represent this so much, but the F ending, cleanseth, in English, is the idea of a continual cleansing. In fact, in the original Greek language, the, the verbiage here is the idea of a continual cleansing. So it's an ongoing cleansing. In Christ Jesus, you are continually made clean. It's like you have a, a, a warranty on it. You can always just keep coming back to the shop every time you break something, and it's going to keep getting fixed. That's what we have. In Christ Jesus, we have fellowship and we have the blessing of continual forgiveness if we are conditional, verse 7, walking in the light. Now, that's the easy part here. That's the blessings. That's what we have. That's the repair that we get in Christ Jesus. That's the blessing of being a Christian. Fellowship and forgiveness. But our lesson today was not about those blessings. Our lesson today is about the need to admit that we need those blessings. The lesson today is the, the need for us to admit when we aren't perfect, when we are in darkness, when we are sinners in need of forgiveness. So let's keep reading here because this section doesn't stop in verse 7. He says, if, there's another one of those if statements. Notice verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with him. Verse 7, if we walk in the light. Verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. 
Remember, the idea is if we don't admit our brokenness, we will never be in fellowship with God and we will never receive forgiveness. And according to verse 8, right here, inspired by God through the Apostle John, he says, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Let me put it plainly. He says, you're lying. He says, if you claim you have no sin... You are a liar. And some people will say that. I've had Bible studies with people before, and I'll be laying out all the blessings of forgiveness that are there in Jesus. I talk about your sins can be washed away. It's wonderful. And they go, you know, I don't really think I have any sin. Rewind, right? We have to go back and talk about something else now. We need to do a little bit more work convicting of sin because the reality is all of us are broken. All of us need forgiveness. All of us are lost without Jesus Christ. And according to verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Maybe you can't see it just yet. Maybe you're like the per person putting their 1983 Datsun on Craigslist saying, runs good, and everybody else is saying, no it doesn't. You have to break with the emergency brake. You're using two bungee cords now to hold down the hood and not just one because it flew up when the first one broke, right? That's what everybody else sees and you're seeing, oh no, I'm good. I'm perfect. I don't need any forgiveness. It's dangerous when people say things like that. John says you are a liar if you don't admit sin. Let's keep reading verse 9. He says, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and righteous or just, depending on your translation, to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, I initially, when I was a young man, I used this verse a lot in my mind to talk about the need to confess our sins before God. Now, without a doubt, we should do that. We should confess our sins before God. And we should also confess our sins to one another. The book of James tells us that there's power and mutual accountability and, and, and reaching out to people. We should be an open community of people that share our struggles with one another. Sadly, we like to put on an act. We like to act like we have it all together. We never like to admit that we have sin, but we all do. And we kind of live lives of deception. But we should be people who confess our sins. However, in context right here, I don't think he's talking about Bow your heads and pray to God and tell Him your sins. I don't think He's also saying confess, you know, just more of a, a mutual accountability partner kind of thing, confession. I think this is broader than that. I think this is, according to verse 9, a complete acknowledgement of the fact that we are sinners in need of a Savior. I think it's the fact that we are constantly admitting that we are not perfect. That we, we believe that. We admit that. We confess that. If someone asks us, do you sin? Oh man, I sin a lot and I need Jesus. That's the kind of people we are. We need to be people who are humble enough to admit our sins. That's why he says, if we confess our sins, confessing your sinfulness is what I believe he's talking about. He, Jesus, is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You have to admit or confess your own sinfulness in order to receive forgiveness. If you don't, John says you're a liar. That's strong terminology. But again, look at verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word 
is not in us. So not only that, are you lying to yourself when we act like we don't sin? If you say you have no sin, you make him a liar. You make God a liar when you say you have no sin. I mean, why did he send Jesus? He sent Jesus to this world to die on the cross so that, that I could be forgiven. So that the sins of humanity could be atoned for. If, if we didn't have any sins, why did Jesus come to this earth? Well, he died for everybody else, not me. I got, it, I got it under control. No, you don't. You need Jesus more and most of all if you're sent back saying, I have no sin. He says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Those who lie about their sinfulness will not be forgiven. We need to be a people who admit sin. Now, I know that's hard for a lot of us. We think that admitting sin is like a, a sign of weakness. We got to put on a good act. We got to act like we have it all together. Uh, we got to act like, you know, our families are perfect and we never have any conflicts and that our, our marriage is always strong and our relationships are always perfect and that we have it all together. That we never lose our cool, that we never get upset, that we weren't screaming and yelling at each other the whole way to church services in the car, and then we all tighten up and put on a smiley face when we walk through the door. We all like to act like we have it all together. But we have to be people who confess our own sinfulness. And when you're willing to do that, when you're willing to confess that you do need Jesus, that is a sign of great strength. People that don't admit their problems are weak people. Let's put it that way. If we're not willing to admit our faults, if we're not willing to confess our sins, it's because we're not strong enough to do it. We're weak. We don't want to be weak. I don't want to be weak. I want to be strong. Confession is a sign of great strength. We need to be a people who admit our brokenness because we cannot be fixed unless we admit that we are broken. No mechanic shop functions on you driving up and telling them, car runs good, and just keep leaving. Right? I mean, it doesn't function like that. You go there and go, it's broken, there's something wrong, and I can't fix it myself. I need you to help me fix it. That's Jesus, right? We come to him. Jesus, my life is broken. I'm a sinner, and I don't really even know how to fix it. I need the repair that you can offer. But unless you admit it, we cannot be fixed. You have to admit brokenness before you can receive the repair. So let's talk about how we do that then. What are some actionable tips? What are some things that we can take home then today in order for us to move forward? Because that's what we want to do. We want to get in our spiritual cars per se and drive forward on the road of life. What can we do to move forward in order to receive that fellowship and forgiveness? Number one, admit to yourself and others that you are not perfect and that you need God. When was the last time you've actually said that? And maybe not exactly in those words. Maybe you would choose some different terminology. But when was the last time you told somebody, man, I, I'm a sinner. I'm struggling with this sin. I need forgiveness. I don't have it all figured out. I am wrong. That's hard to say, right? We have to be willing to admit to ourselves, first of all, and to others, and to God, that we are not perfect. That's number one. Number two, after you admit, you need to seek out God and acknowledge the fact that He is gracious and that He is forgiving because He loves us even when we are broken. 
You know, he's the one that, he'll even take the cars off the free part of Craigslist, which if you ever want to see weird stuff, go to the free tab on Craigslist.com and see the stuff that people are giving away. It's crazy. One time I gave away broken pieces of cement and everybody, I had like a line in front of my house of people wanting broken chunks of concrete. One guy took his Dodge Charger, a new one, backed it in my driveway and was throwing chunks of concrete in his trunk. He wanted it, right? But we have to be people who are willing to take what is broken and bring it to Jesus who can repair it. We don't just write it off as it's a lost cause. We need to seek God out and we need to acknowledge His gracious and forgiving character. God will forgive you. It doesn't matter to God how many sins you've committed and how wrong you've been living and how long you've been in darkness. If you come to Him, He is light. And if you begin to walk in the light, you can have fellowship with Him and you can have forgiveness if you seek Him out. And then finally, number three, accept with joy the forgiveness that He continually offers. I am so thankful for the fact that my God forgives me. I'm so thankful for the fact that I could go to Him at any time when I've strayed off track, when I've been in darkness, that I could come back to Him, that I could start walking in the light, that I confess my sinfulness, that I can ask Him for forgiveness and know that He will forgive me. I can have confidence that He will forgive me. In fact, if you skip ahead and read the entire book of 1 John, the whole letter is about how you can know that you are saved. Look at chapter 5, verse 13, if you have your Bible open. It says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. You don't have to live life with a question mark in Jesus. You don't have to wonder if, if, it, if it's actually been repaired. You can trust that Jesus repaired you. You can trust that He forgave you and that you have eternal life. Accept with joy the forgiveness that He continually offers. So let's bring it all home then. Let's be a people who are not accustomed to brokenness. Or let's not ignore the brokenness any longer. See, we all like a car sometimes. We need more than just a little work. We need complete restoration. We need Jesus to make us whole. We need the forgiveness that He offers. But remember, we cannot be fixed if we do not admit that we are broken. This week, as you leave this place, as you go about your daily life, as you interact with individuals out there, don't put on a facade of perfection. Don't put, you know, when all the cars I sell on Craigslist, I'll, I'll try to wax them. Usually it just means the paint rubs off on the towel with the cars that I have, but I'll try to make them all look good. You know, I'll armor all the tires. I'll use Instagram filters to make them look like the sun's popping off them just right, right? Because we like the fake and we like to make it look like, and I'm not being deceitful, so don't judge me on that one. I'll tell people what's wrong with it. But, you know, we like to put on this facade that, that it's all wonderful, right? That it's all perfect. Oh, no, I'm holy. I'm good. I don't need any help. But on the inside, we are completely broken. Let's admit our brokenness. Let's admit to God that we need Him. And I know today that I'm sure there's a lot, all of us I know are, but there's some of us that need more help than others. We're going to sing an invitation song here in a moment. If you feel like you need divine restoration, you need to be completely repaired and you're not fixed yet, we can help you be fixed. If you're not a Christian, I will tell you right now you're broken. And I know that might seem harsh. But right now you're lost if you're not a child of God. But you can be made whole 
if you come to him. In fact, we got a baptistry back here. We can help you have your sins washed away when you come confessing Jesus as Lord and are baptized for the remission of your sins. You can be cleansed. You can be made whole. You can be fixed. And if you're here and maybe you've been living in the darkness, it's time to come back to the light. It's time to come back to Jesus. He's here saying, I'll repair you. I'll fix you. No charge. I've already paid the bill on the cross. You just have to come to me and you can be fully restored once again. We're going to sing an invitation song now. One of the elders will be up here to meet you if you have a need. Why don't you come as together we stand and as we sing.